Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by Twisted T and my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, yo, Tessie Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Can you feel it? Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina. Georgia, LSU, Mississippi, all these SEC games. Yes. I can't wait. You know, it's funny because you start seeing these annual memes, you know, like, oh, Oh, you saw this one made made fun of Florida last year, or this one Mm -hmm. made fun of Tennessee, and they're starting to make their rounds again. So (laughs) you you know it's in the air, and I love it because – I I don't know about you, Mike. I would imagine you got a lot more followers, but I get tagged in these conversations. The next thing you know, I'm like, what? Why do I have five thousand notifications? You know, <laughs> and I look, and it is an argument between these two fan bases. So, right? Uh, yeah, I'm loving it, brother. And we wait all year for this shit. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's this. This is what I love it. That I just I wish we had football year round sometimes. And to your point, Shane, just like today, I put out SEC passing yard leaders, rushing leaders, and receiving leaders. Mm-hmm. And this is just the top 10, where they're ranked today, heading into week three. That's all I'm doing. And people are mad as hell, Shane, because <laughs> A.J. Swans played three games. Spencer's only played two. How about you do yards per attempt, yards per game. <laughs> this don't fit your agenda, does it? And it's all and all. And I'm just like, yo. It just crushes your soul to put Spencer number one at anything, doesn't it, Mike? <laughs> I'm just saying what it is right mm-hmm. now. You know what? But uh, that's the passion, man. That's the that's why we have this show. Oh, I saw it too with Mike Wright. They're like, well, ain't Mike Wright in here, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, well, he's technically not a running back. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, people are fired up, and yeah. they're going to be even more fired up this weekend. So, we are hoping and praying, Shane, we get some good calls this weekend. On the call in line, hit us up, 615-965-5152. We'll share that after some of these games, too, because we want people to live reactions, their thoughts on their teams, hopefully winning, Yeah, but maybe losing. There's going to be a lot of buzz, a lot yeah. of reaction. You know what? Well, that's the thing, Mike. Up to this point, every fan base – we never we didn't go into any game where one of the fan bases are going to come away with a loss, you know, guaranteed right. loss. Right. So we can't say that anymore. Week three and on, it's SEC action, and there's going to be somebody hurt. It may be Mississippi State. It may be Tennessee. It may, you know, it may be South Carolina. It may be Georgia. You know, but yep. there's going to be one of, of of several schools upset because they got their first loss in the SEC. Well, it's game of the week, Shane, Tennessee at Florida. So we reached out to Eric Kane from VolQuest, yeah. Locked on Vols, to talk about Tennessee. Matt Hayes, our buddy, Saturday down south, 1010XL in Jacksonville Radio, mm-hmm. Florida, and a little NCAA talk as well with Matt. But uh, So that we're, we're going to get to those interviews in just a minute. But what we've been doing is mailbag on these yeah. Wednesday shows. I, I love answering these questions. So are you ready? To answer some questions, buddy? Absolutely, man. <laughs> All right, Shane, from Trey Tucker. If Tennessee plays Florida close, or yeah. heaven forbid, Tennessee loses, would the podcast be calling for Nico? Yeah. I mean, really? 
The podcast? Are you talking about us? He's talking about you and I. Yeah. Well, shit, Mike. I kind of yelled for him last week a few times. The game. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. I mean, you, you, you got... I'm not saying I'm a grass is greener kind of guy, but, you know, there is a lot of hype. And yeah. we've got to see a couple of flashes of what Nico's going to bring to this program. <laughs> I think deep down inside, I don't want to see quarterback controversy this year at all. You know, that's right. I mean, I'm drinking out of my Joe cup here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all on board. I, I, I truly am trying to be optimistic here that Joe just had a bad game. And, and thank God it was against Austin P and it wasn't against Florida. Because if they play like they did last week, this week, they're going to lose. I hope that doesn't happen. So, but if they lose, I, I wouldn't say a close win. Close win, you know, again, maybe the <laughs> That's least. That's where I'm at. Like, we're yeah. sitting here saying, a close win, we got bench your quarterback. Close, close win, we're good. But a, but a loss, yeah, I think I'm going to be maybe not – Full-time, but let's start getting him involved, kind of like, you know, Missouri just mixing in the quarterbacks a little bit. See, I, th- I think you're looking at it all wrong. And and maybe Joe Milton's just awful, but I don't think he's awful. I mean, we've seen enough of him to know he's got potential. And I've never been one to say he's one of the best either. I think he's kind of middle of the road. Yeah. But I think he can win with them. And I don't know if Nico can win at Kentucky. If he can win at Alabama, if he can, I mean, this is a crucial game coming up. What if he shits the bed and Spencer Rattler's red hot? Yeah, I mean that. Then what? You can't just throw in Joe Milton and be like, "All right, we lost confidence in you, but yeah, go back out there." I mean, this Nico stuff, so it's a little crazy right now. It, it is, but we've literally not seen him do anything of significance other than the, throw a nice the, pass in a spring game. The they did it to us, you know, as a fan base. They've put him on a pedestal. We've been kissing his ass since he's arrived on campus as the the best quarterback to ever sign at the University of Tennessee and all this money with the NIL and stuff. I mean, this thing's built up, and a lot of it, because of media, uh, we've kind of latched onto it, and we've made him bigger than he is, you know? Like right. that's what I'm saying, you know? By the time Nico actually comes out there, we're going to think he's seven foot tall, you know? He's he's not. He's He's – Going to have growing pains. He's a freshman. He's not got a lot of weight on him right now. I mean, there are a lot of disadvantages and mistakes that are going to be made. But, you know, the problem I have with with Joe is, and it's not, not even a serious problem. It's just I'm afraid we're going to spiral. And when I think about the pit game a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. that's what we had. And we ended up losing that game, a game that we should have won. It just, I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't want to see the wheels come off and I don't know how glued into media he is, or if he's listening to podcast or shit, stop Joe. I've, I mean, times I've told you to turn this show off. You don't need to hear that. If he could come out and play like he did with Clemson and Vanderbilt, we'll be fine. Tennessee will win a lot of football games. But he's just not caught fire this season. And, again, he's working with new receivers. He's working with a new offensive line. There's, I mean, It takes a little while, but the, the, the runway's over, man. we got to get it this week or, or you're going to lose. I can promise you he does not listen to his show. <laughs> I, can tell you that. I don't know. You never know, Joe. <laughs> and one last thing. That was a long response, but Trey also wants to know, we ever bang on the connected wall and yell at each other? 
<laughs> that makes me think of office space. You know, where he's hitting there. He's like, there's boobs on channel five or whatever. I'm not going to lie. I had construction guy over there the other day. And I was like, is it hard to just put a door right there? He's <laughs> like, barely that's not allowed or something. So uh couldn't do that. But no, no beating on the on the walls yet. All right. How about uh, from Big Blue Balls, Shane? Big Kentucky guy here. Yeah. What specific part of Kentucky's team do you doubt after watching the first two games? He's seen things that can be really good at every position. So anything that stand out to you about Kentucky that uh, you're a little concerned about? Offensive line. Yeah. Um, and, and, and not so much the first few games here. It's just week six, week seven, competitive depth. You know, that's that's my only concern because the way that this team needs to move with the – I mean, they truly are a balanced program. Mm-hmm. And to do that with Ray and company, they they got to keep the push up front. Me, it's Devin Leary. The hype with him. Yeah. And he's not yet matched. He's thrown some nice passes. Keep in mind, Shane, they played Eastern Kentucky – and they played ball State. That's the competition. And there he is right there. Against so that competition, number 10 in the SEC in scoring, number 12 in yard, uh, passing yards per completion, Yeah. number 12 in passing completion percentage, 13 in rushing, and 14th in rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's pathetic. Yeah. Again, this is the weakest their schedule is going to get. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying – you know, five alarm over here, and they can't get better, and they they probably will. It's a new new system for some of those players and new quarterback. I get it, but it should be a lot better than what it's been after this competition. Yeah, you know. No, I I totally agree with you, and and I, vo- I don't know. We've voiced our frustration last week, <laughs> going on to this week. It's just we need a a complete game, and we've not seen that yet. From con- not even close to that. And if they're going to beat Georgia's, if they're going to beat Florida's, they're they're going to have to, man. They're going to have to have it because, you know, yes, you've you've got a lot of cupcakes out of the gate, and thank God, you know. But you know, week four, shit gets real. Question from Joshua Askew, Shane. He's asked you yeah. us twice now. <laughs> what are your top three offenses and top three defenses in the SEC up to this point? And I got my list. You want me to go and and you? Well, shit, man. I ain't got no list. I ain't even read these questions. I've been trying not to read these questions. Right, right. I'll let you go first, and then I'll I'll criticize yours. Well, I keep getting complaints that we're counting Texas and Oklahoma, so I guess we can't officially count that. But I throw Texas in there if I could. Ole Miss, Mm -hmm. even though they're not been running the ball, Jackson Dart, these receivers that are banged up, that high flying. So I I put Ole Miss, Ole Miss in that top three. Yeah. A&M. Again, I get it. They're an easy target right now. People making fun of them. Connor Wigman's been great. They still got these receivers. Uh, they've got a top rusher, Amari Daniels. I think he's number 10 in the SEC. So they got pieces. I got to put A&M in there. And then this will probably catch you off guard. Another one that's kind of falling a little flat. LSU. Because even in the Florida State game, they were scoring. They, they couldn't yeah. convert in the red zone. The defense is what killed them in that one. So... Those are my top three, but the fact that I've said those three and they each kind of have issues, I mean, I, I think that goes to show it's it's been a down year for SEC offense so far. Yeah, yeah. I get you. And I guess this is more for me is it's not statistically because, I mean, you could throw an Alabama in there. You could definitely throw Georgia, you know, I mean, if you're looking at stats alone. Um, but 
what South Carolina has been doing here, especially I know again it's Furman, but what they did week one against North Carolina, they had little spurts of. I think when I look at offense, it's just quarterback play, and I, I, I I'm not kissing Spencer's ass by no means, but. He's playing better than than a lot of quarterbacks in the league right now. So yep. I'm going to put him in there, and we, we're now getting a healthy Wales in there, and Leggett's. You know, he's he's a monster himself. So yep, yeah, I, I i would i would I would put South Carolina in that list. Um, but everybody else, I I think you got to put George in there, and and obviously sluggish starts out of the gate, but complete football team. So. Uh, I think Georgia's got to be in the top three as well. And Joshua didn't ask this, but I threw these in there too. Two that are, that have been disappointed, that I or disappointing that I think should be in this mix, but they haven't earned it yet. Tennessee, yeah, and Arkansas. I think Arkansas yeah. should be up there. Arkansas, well, and Kentucky. I mean, yeah. I thought Kentucky was another one that that would be further along than they are right now. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on those. All right, how about the top three defenses, Shane? Georgia, Georgia. Mizzou. Mizzou, definitely. And then this one I had a tough time with because you could put a couple different, but a little wild card. Mississippi State. How about that? Mm, I like that. I like that. Tennessee, not too far. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they've definitely improved quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think that that's an easy list right there. Um, are we going to do disappointed? On yeah, this I have two as well. <laughs> okay. Bama, I think uh-huh. it's disappointing. Yeah. It should be better. And A and M, A and M, with all yeah. those linemen, they should be better. Yeah, I thought that was going to be their. I thought that was the baby, right? You know, so really been disappointed after two weeks. Now we kind of already asked, uh, answered this. I'm going to butcher this name because it's a it's a hard one. Would you throw? Nah, I guess you can't. The the LSU week one looked mm-hmm. god awful, right? But it felt like we've. <laughs> And this that's the problem with cupcake games. You just want to throw it out because it was just but the defense looked really good week two and it looks like they've corrected a little bit. Perkins is now gonna be an X factor again. Um imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? I could see Brian uh-huh. Brian says, you know, I, I can only imagine in the meeting, you know, I'd be like I got a, I got an idea. <laughs> let's let Perkins cook. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like let's let him play. So I, I think there's some programs that may not be in the top three right now, but easily could be in the top three by the end of the season. LSU's one of those. Yeah. Uh, again, this guy I don't know how to say the name. Satch Satchu Luke. <laughs> it's a tough one. But who's on the hot seat if they lose this week? And on the last episode, we already kind of hit on Pittman. We already hit on Drinkwitz. And it's not that we dislike those coaches, yeah. But considering non-conference opponents at home, year four, again, we're not firing these guys if they lose. But it feels like must wins for each of them. So I'm going to throw a different one at you, Shane and Billy Napier. I think he, yeah. I think he's firmly on the hot seat if they lose to Tennessee this week at home. At home, yeah, I get that because, and again, this is one of those games you, each fan base thinks they're going to win. Knows they're going to win, right? And, and sometimes that's when feelings really get hurt. And uh, I think you're right there. And and I I, I believe that it's going to come down to how many. Like if Tennessee does win this game, do they win by three scores? Then it gets hot. Mm-hmm. But if it's a close game, comes down to the wire, and they lose by one or two, then 
I think you'll be fine there. You know, that that's that's definitely a good one. Drink is the easy one. Yeah. Drink drink's gonna be the easy one. Obviously Jimbo should not lose this week, but you know. <laughs> I almost put him down, but I was like, yeah, he ain't gonna like, lose that, this one, that's right? The, that's the if you lose, you're fired right yeah. immediately. Right. Uh, so um but other than that, I think I think all the other coaches are pretty good right now. All right, how about Mississippi boy, Shane? If Ole Miss can fix the O line problems, do they have a chance? To go three and zero against Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas starting next week, and uh, let me pull up the the schedule real quick because I, I know the Bama game is at Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, Arkansas is at home, and then LSU I believe is also on the road. Ooh-wee. No, LSU is at home, at Bama, LSU at home, Arkansas at home. Can they beat all three of those with a you know an elite running game? Fix the O line. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're two weeks in, and there's not any team that just looks like a wrecking ball in the West right now. So that leaves doors open, not just open. I mean, like freaking cracked open. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Ole Miss can walk in and steal first place West if I mean they got a long they got a stretch, but if they Which one of those you think is the toughest though? At Bama, LSU at home, Arkansas at home. Well the problem is it's Georgia, you know? I it, it's, I know, let's I, not let's not yeah, even look that far ahead. I'm just saying of those three of those three that Ole Miss is gonna play here in the next month. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Alabama because I feel like we get a little different Nick Saban that week because you know mm, they're gonna I, they're gonna add a quarterback between now and then. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's the one I'm leaning toward. Yeah, um, on the road. I think yeah. I think that's an easy answer. But right. the problem is again the Georgia. If if this yeah. team is is going to win, they've I mean they've got to beat all those. They can only lose one. Mm-hmm. You know I would think. Uh, well, maybe not Georgia. I don't know. That's going to be a tough. That's why this year is going to be wild, man. Because I think that's what we're going to have. We may have another two loss team going to the SEC uh, championship. Could you imagine? I know we're just going to lose all these Ole Miss people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Imagine if they beat all three of those at Bama, LSU, Arkansas. They'll be on cloud nine. They'll be probably top five in the country. Yeah. And then imagine they don't even win the damn West because they got A and M. At Georgia, at Mississippi State, at all. I mean, yeah. there's no. That's not a guarantee. There's either. never a week off. Never right. a week off. So brutal, brutal schedule. But absolutely. I mean, they've out of all the teams, I, I'm I'm the highest on them right now as far as momentum. Beating a top twenty team with Tulane. I mean, it was yeah, it was a big win for them. So just keep it going. Who knows? Ole Miss may be the team. Now I really like this question, Shane, from Logan Timmons. That's a cool name. More likely to get benched this Saturday. Yeah. Carson Beck. Yeah. Georgia playing South Carolina. Or Joe Milton down there in Florida. Hashtag go dogs. Joe Milton. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> Joe and Milton. I not even make say that down there. Saying, no, I'm just kidding. We don't even need to be hyping up Nico at this point in time, but still. I'm just Easy guilty. answer is Joe Milton, I think. I'm guilty. Here I was just bitching about the media and we are part of the problem. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm in the Joe camp. And, and if I got to say it a million times to convince myself, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's all we need is a big game. And then I, I truly think he'll be fine. He just, just needs to break the seal, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, how about this one from Rick Wilson, Shane? Seeing how bad Mississippi State's offensive coordinator Kevin Barbet is. Yeah. Isn't it hilarious? We're out after mm. two weeks. We're 2-0. and oh. oh, yeah. This guy's got – he's got to go. Get him. Why would Arnett have fired Leach's entire staff – he's talking about the offensive staff – and starting with a rebuild of an air raid roster coming off a nine-win season? Makes no sense. Is it arrogance? Is it an ego problem? What is it? And it's easy to say right now, Shane, because they've been not looking great on offense, obviously. Yeah. But, hey, we've said this many a time, Shane. We love the Pirate. Yeah. He's featured right there. He'll he'll always be featured on this show. He's featured at the end of the show. Never going to say a bad word about the Pirate. But it was the offense that was the issue at Mississippi State kind of holding them back the last year or two. So, again, maybe... They should have stuck with some air raid principles and brought in a new air raid guy, but are they ever going to run the air raid as well as the man that ran it better than anyone in the history of college football? I don't think so. Yeah. So I think he made a calculated decision saying, well, this has not been working that well, and let me bring in someone that's not going to do it as well as Leach. How's that going to play out? Yeah. I think he made this decision to help his defense – to be more ground and pound, because even when Mississippi State gets a great receiver, damn Georgia takes them, Ole Miss takes them, you know, with yeah. the transfer portal. It's, I don't know, I think it's a lot easier to get a running back and some offensive alignment at Mississippi State than it is to get these high-flying receivers to want to go down there. And maybe I'm wrong, but I I think this is a move he felt in his heart of hearts would be best for the program. And it, it may not look at, up to this point, but... They are two and zero, oh, and I I understand his decision if yeah. that makes sense. Well, it's it's a clean slate too. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, coming in, it's like <laughs> you know what, like you're dating this girl, and you go over there, and then you see his toothbrush and his shirt laying <laughs> in the floor, and you know you're reminded of how great he grills steaks. You know, it's like <laughs> you don't want to hear any of that. I mean, you respect the pirate. Obviously, you know, he's going to be plastered all over that program and will be for a long, long time. And uh, but again, you're trying to make a name for yourself. So I don't I don't disagree with it. I would have done the same. You would have done the same thing, you know, Yeah. instead of trying to kind of mimic what we were doing. Now, it does surprise me that there's not a few more aspects of what we saw last year. Um, because you do have the pieces for that. So, but again, something we talked about in week one, two, you know, maybe that's what they've been kind of holding back a little bit for a team like LSU. Mm-hmm. Now, basically all the rest of these are about your lock of the week. So <laughs> real quick, Ashley, big Gator fan. How much money would it take for cousin Shane to say go Gators on the show this week? Oh, it ain't happening. Yeah, not this week. No, I'm sorry, Ashley. She's been falling a long, long time, man. But I, I just can't. I can't do that. Um, and it is funny. The locks. That's when I get all the time in. 
it almost feels like a power, like a superpower, you know, <laughs> like I can, I can fix. And I don't think I haven't thought about throwing it on Kansas state yep. or throwing it on the Florida Gators or something <laughs> like that and using this power in my favor. But, uh, I don't know. I just, I still haven't locked anything down yet. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, Clayton Parker wants to know, does cousin Shane love Tennessee football enough to make Florida his lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it, man. But, you know, typically I don't like to influence the volunteer game, <laughs> if you notice. <laughs> and obviously I have no power here in Little East Tennessee on this couch, but in my mind I, I think do. you do. I think you do. <laughs> Philip Yo, he does too. I was Googling, like, mm-hmm. like this is tip. This is potentially 0-6 on locks, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was Googling how, like, Flipping a coin, you know, what's the odds? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Of you getting heads six times in a row, it's just, it's astronomical, you know? So I don't even know. If You're one of a kind. <laughs> Philip Yo wants to know Cousin Shay, would you rather get your lock of the week right th- for this time yeah. or the Vols win in the swamp? Vols, man. <laughs> yeah. Because, and we're going to, we got some great interviews lined up. The problem is, Tennessee's not won down there in 20 years, Mike. And the, mm-hmm. the reason, you know, I, I've I heard the rivalry question. You're going to hear it on the interview. And it, and it really stuck out to me because you're right. The Florida game is more of a rivalry to Tennessee because we haven't won as much as we would like. In Florida, it's still a big deal. It's still a lot of shit talking going on, but it's not as big as a Georgia game or maybe an LSU matchup. And I get that. I totally understand. So going down to the swamp and beating them, something we've not done in 20 years, there's been some close ones. You know, Dobbs had had one that was really close and, you know, the Hail Mary uh, yep. with, with what's his name. I mean, there's there's been a lot of great games and a lot of opportunities for Tennessee to win. And somehow we find a way. It's like the Bambino curse, you know? It's like they find a way to lose. So, absolutely. This is how you make it a rivalry. You you win in Gainesville. You make it a competitive series, something that it's not really been all that often. Absolutely, man. Well, speaking of our interviews, we'll get to them in just a second, Shay, but we got to let the audience know we're brought to you by MyBookie. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today and put in that promo code that. S-E-C, T-H-A-T-S-E-C. Get in on the action over at mybookie.ag today. They got not only college football, but NFL, NBA, hockey. They got all the sports over at mybookie today that you can wager on. And with that promo code, that S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit all the way up to 50%, up to $1,000. So $1,500, Shane. (laughs) To fade Cousin Shane and become a millionaire. You can do it over at MyBookie with that promo code, that SEC. We're also brought to you by Game Time Sidekick. Shane, we love our Game Time Sidekicks here. And even though Shane was bashing that Milton, I've never seen him without that Milton cup in his hand since he's had it. So uh, head on over to Game Time Sidekicks at the checkout. This is the important part. Put in that promo code SEC. Get 20% off your entire order. And we promise you'll love your game time sidekicks, stainless steel, officially licensed NCAA gear. They got every team in the SEC covered over at Game Time Sidekicks. We're also partnered up with Prize Picks, Shane, for once again, Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports. Why we love Prize Picks, they got all the sports, but they got college football. So mm-hmm. there's SEC players to pick from each and every week. 
Head on over to Prize Picks, same promo code as Game Time, SEC, and they are willing to match your initial deposit up to a hundred bucks instantly. So you can have two hundred bucks in your account over at Prize Picks, and we can't pick a game to save our life, but I can pick a Prize Picks. You know what? <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's the only reason we're breaking even here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. All right, Shay, so let's kick it over to our interview. Eric Kane, VolQuest, Locked On Vols. This is a really good one. Well, we were pleased to be joined by one of our favorites. Eric Kane covers Tennessee for VolQuest, the go-to site for Tennessee information. And, of course, the host of the Locked On Vols podcast. Eric, how's it going, man? Doing well, man. It's a big week. Uh, the, these big game weeks are always so much fun. Uh, when Tennessee wins, the reaction to those are so much fun. But uh, I love this Florida week. It's been fun so far and looking forward to the game. Yeah, and for you know people our age, this is the big game for Tennessee because yeah. it, it generally dictates how well the season is going to be for the Vols and really for the Gators as well. So, I want to start right there. I'm sure you're tired of getting asked about Joe Milton and the passing game and all this. So I really wanted to ask you about the pressure on these coaches to win this football game. Josh Heupel, Billy Napier, which one do you think has more pressure uh, this season and for the trajectory of their program to get a win in this game? It's a really good question because I think there's pressure on both sides. Um, you know, we'll start with the Tennessee side, of course. Hadn't won in the Swamp in 20 years. You know, Florida's down. You're coming off an 11-win campaign. Everybody and their mother's picking you to win. Even after the uninspiring offensive production against Austin P. you're still a touchdown favorite. So it's like, if you're not going to win in the Swamp this year, when the hell are you ever going to win in the Swamp is what I want to know, right? So, you know, there's there's some pressure there. Plus, I've been calling it the tempo setter for, for the season. I mean, you go down to Florida and you win this game, then you feel good about some of these other quote-unquote toss-up games. Like, you go down the Swamp and beat Florida, you feel good about South Carolina, A&M at home. You feel better about Kentucky on the road and, of course, Alabama, Georgia. Um, you just need to get this one now. And it's a rivalry game, enough said. Now, on Florida's side, you know, speaking with Andy Staples earlier this week, he came on the Rocket Top Rewind and Nick Delatore of uh, Gators Online. You know, they have you know three or four rivalry games as well. And, and this one at home against Tennessee – is probably the most winnable, if you will, if you're Florida. Because, I mean, FSU's really hot right now. Um, you know, the, the LSU, Georgia, some of these other ones that, that, that are on their schedule, it, it's going to be kind of tough. So winning this one against Tennessee at home is probably uh, the most doable, if you will, if you're Florida. Plus, in Billy Napier, it's year two, and I know he spreads patience down there, and I get it. I think Billy Napier is a pretty good coach. But when you look around the country, I mean, look what Josh Hobble did in year two. Look at what Deion Sanders is doing right now. Look at what some of these other coaches are doing in year one and year two. There's not a lot of patience in fan bases in college football. Um, so I think this would be a huge one, a huge one for Florida if Florida is able to get it. But uh, pressure on both sides for sure. Uh, probably more pressure, I would say, 
for Florida, even though Tennessee hasn't won the Swamp in 20 years. Uh, but pressure on both sides for sure. And don't over- overlook that rivalry Florida has with Vanderbilt. I'm just kidding, but they did lose to them last week. That is true. <laughs> so, uh, you know, huge talking point on Rocky Top all week. Joe Milton, passing game, we're lacking the explosive plays. Do you feel that Tennessee is is just a few adjustments away? Because, yeah, I mean, it's easy to look at the numbers and say they're struggling, but I see it as, you know, a penalty here or there, a pass a little too high, a receiver drops a ball. I mean, it, it feels to me like they're just – a couple of of adjustments away from really clicking yeah i don't think this offense sucks i don't think it's going to be bad i don't think joe milton's going to be horrible now joe milton's not going to be hendon hooker but he never was going to be hendon hooker um listen joe milton was was not good against austin p it happens it's football he was inaccurate with the football and, and that's what kind of plagued him earlier in his career at michigan and when he got to tennessee the inaccuracies and um that's something he's really improved on I think you saw it a little bit against Virginia. You saw it um, in the starts that he had last year. And even in the mop-up duties, you can tell that he's really been working on, um, you know, some touch passes on on throwing it down the field and, and being more accurate with the short and the intermediate game. But he was not very accurate with the football against Austin P. throwing behind receivers, throwing high, this and that. Now, there were four passes that three wide receivers and one running back just dropped. Good balls, just dropped. And some of these bad throws, you know, they were getting two hands on it. They just weren't coming down with it. Like, I understand they're not great throws, but if you have a struggling quarterback, help them out. You know, reel it in, right? So this whole week I've been saying it's not just Joe. It's not just the wide receivers. It's the whole passing game. They they were all together was bad against Austin Peay. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, Ramel Keaton drops an 80-yard bomb against Virginia. How different does that stat stat line look? Um, Instead of throwing at the hip, you throw right here at the numbers – that's a walk-in touchdown for Dante Thornton against Austin P. Um, Ramel Keaton fumbles in the red zone. Um, three holding penalties on Tennessee's wide receivers near the red zone on back-to-back drives. Again, that, that officiating crew was so bad last week. If you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. But they obviously had something they were looking for in this game uh, with the wide receivers blocking on the perimeter, and you know they called it excessively. Um, there was some missed... Uh, there was a missed uh, defensive pass interference on Squirrel White on third down in the in the, in the end zone that was missed. So you're right. If you know, if shoulda, coulda, woulda, if, if this thing happened here, this thing happened here, it could be a completely different story. But at the end of the day, it's not. So I think Tennessee's offense is going to be fine. Um, if it if it's not looking improved this week, I think the the you know the the crowd gets a little louder and <laughs> getting a little bit more impatient. But I think it's going to be fine, and uh, I'm intrigued to see how it responds in a hostile environment, gets an SEC defense uh, against a rival. Uh, Again, there's so many storylines in this game, and I'm super pumped to see Tennessee's offense and uh, see what it can do. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, overreactions and crazy fans, I mean, that's why we got jobs, because these people care so much. But I heard even today, Eric, if Tennessee wins by a close margin – is it time to switch to Nico? No, I'm like, oh, no, oh, good God, you, you haven't won in 20 years in the swamp. I don't care. Football's football. It's a rivalry game. It's it's a road game in the SEC. Now, if you win by three or four and Milton throws five picks, then okay, let's have a conversation. I mean, if Milton right. plays okay and Tennessee wins the game by by a small margin, a win's a win. You take it. I mean, just because Tennessee's a touchdown favorite. Doesn't mean Tennessee's going to win by a touchdown. Look at last year. Tennessee was beating the crap out of Florida at home, 
and you only ended up winning by five points. These games are wacky. The series is wacky. How many times over the last decade have both these teams been bad and Tennessee had mm-hmm. the game and Florida just took it? I mean, I can think of two situations right off the top of my head right now. So, um, no, and, and again, that's nothing to Nico or anything, and that's not to say that Joe Milton is Superman right now. I mean, if he struggles you know, a couple of weeks in a row, then anything's on the table, but... I mean, if he plays okay and Tennessee, you know, barely scrapes out a win, like it's a, you count your blessings, you take that win back to Knoxville and get to work. What do you think Tennessee's biggest advantage is in this matchup? Running the football. Um, I like Jalen Wright a lot. Jabari Small, you know, no one's talking about him. He's having a good year too, but Jalen Wright's on a different level right now. Um, I like Tennessee's run game, and and I think that should give Joe some confidence. You know, Joe's got a good run game. Um, if things aren't going well, rely on that run game. If things aren't going well, attack the perimeter, you know, the screen game, the bubble game like you did uh, in the second half. And, and I know you asked about the strength, and I'll come back to the run game. But also Virginia and Austin Peay both are playing two high safeties the entire time, backing up, trying to keep everything in front of you. Florida is an SEC defense. Florida's going to do what it wants to do. You know, single high safety points at times they are going to say, hey, Joe, come throw it my way. Come throw it down the field. Let's see if you can complete passes, and let's see if he can do that. A, a lot of um, you know Tennessee was just taking what the defenses were giving them the last couple of games. And again, I, Joe was bad last week. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but a lot of it uh, the last two weeks was just taking what the defense can give them. But uh, the run game, back to your original point, <laughs> your original question, the run game, I, I really like that for Tennessee. I think that can be a strength this uh, this game, especially on the road. Um, I like Tennessee's defensive front. I do. I'm intrigued to see what it looks like against an SEC offensive line uh, because I, I think it's going to be good. Tennessee's going to play 12 guys up front. They're going to get after the quarterback. I really like Omar Norman Lott and Amari Thomas in the interior, uh, James Pierce on the edge. So I think those are some strengths Tennessee has working in their favor going into this game. What about a uh, a weakness that you think Florida could exploit on this Tennessee team? Well, uh, Joe Milton and the passing game have got to respond the right way. We, I mean, that's that's a given, right? I mean, you got to respond. Mm-hmm. You got to respond. You got to bounce back and be better than, than you were last week. Um, special teams, horrible, <laughs> horrible in week one. Responded the right way in week two. Um, got a lot of work with the punt team, which was not great against Austin P. But I thought Jackson Ross responded well. But um, he had he had some bad punts in week one. And you're going to be going on the road, screaming fans, all that type of stuff. How does he... Uh, punt the first couple of times out there because I mean look, the third 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 phase of the game nobody talks about it but field position is so critical can D Williams pop one to maybe score or give the offense a short field um you know that that can be a strength or a weakness for Tennessee so I'll be watching the the punt game of course because it was such a thrill a minute in week one um you know the the passing game of course and um you know overall just to see what this secondary looks like if the front line can get a rush uh, against Graham Mertz and that offensive line. Will this game come down to simply Tennessee's ability to stop Florida from running the ball? Because I, in my mind, I, I can't see any path to victory for Florida if they can't run the ball. Yeah, I mean, you look at Graham Mertz's stats, and like I think he's completing 73 74% of his passes this year. And it's like, wow, that's pretty good. He completed 70% against Utah, which – was a pretty good percentage considering he was throwing a ton. I th- don't quote me. I think he threw 44 times in that loss, but they were playing from behind the whole time. So, like, you look at the stats. I mean, only two touchdowns and interception. You look at the stats. It's like, oh, well, Graham Mertz has maybe improved a little bit. I don't know. Let's get into SEC play. Let's see a week after week after week. We saw Graham Mertz, who he was for three years in Big Ten football at Wisconsin. 
Um, everybody can improve. I mean, they, they're saying the same thing about Joe Milton. I get it. Everybody can improve. Um, but I, I agree with you. Florida has got to run the football. Florida was completely one-dimensional, couldn't do a thing against Utah. Anything about against McNeese, I don't take into consideration. I know they ran for like 300 yards, and you know Tennessee did mm-hmm. too against Virginia and Austin P. But um, they've got to run the football. I think that if Tennessee gets up early, just like I mean, Utah kind of had the blueprint, right? If Tennessee goes up a couple scores in that first quarter, first half, I think Florida is in trouble because Florida is not built to come back because they want to run the football, like you said. With ETN and Johnson, they got two pretty good ones. Um, Tennessee, on the other hand, you don't, you know, you don't ideally you don't want to get behind, but if you are behind, you're built to score in a hurry and you can come back. So I think the first eight, nine minutes of the ball game is going to be critical. And Florida, if it can't run the football, I think it's in for a long day. Uh, is there any updates on Cooper Mays? Do you anticipate that he's going to play in this game? We'll see, man. I, I know, um, you know, Josh, if you follow Josh Heupel's press conferences, I mean, he's, we make fun of it because it's the same coach speak, generic answer. Oh, we'll get him out there on the grass and see how he looks at the end of the week. But this week, it's true. Uh, you know, it's a it's an injury to where he just got back to practice on Tuesday uh, for the first time. He did some side work last week, but he truly practiced for the first time on Tuesday. Um, how was he on Wednesday? How was he Thursday and Friday to end the week? And, and how does his body respond to it? So we'll see. Uh, we expect him to make the trip. We expect him to dress. Um, it might be one of those, you know, warm ups, game time decision. Even if he plays, uh, I think there's still going to be a rotation at center because, I mean, he hadn't practiced in six weeks, five weeks. I mean, a couple days in camp and then he's been out since. So conditioning and Tennessee's tempo conditioning. I think uh, he it's going to take him a little while to get back up to speed. So I think there's a good chance of him playing. I do. I think there is a great, great, great chance of him playing next week against UTSA. So we'll see. But uh, that's the latest on Cooper Mays. And if he can go, Tennessee will play him because he is so valuable to this offense. All right. Last thing, Eric, really appreciate your time. But uh, I and I'm not putting this out till Thursday, so I don't want to ruin anything for you. But uh, have you made a prediction in who do you think wins this ball game? Yeah, um, I, I uh, had a prediction on on Thursday's Locked On Balls as well. We did a crossover. We'll have a uh, prediction piece at VolQuest.com Friday afternoon as well. But you know, I'm, I'm thinking Tennessee. I've said all offseason Tennessee. Um, I understand uninspired football last week against Austin P. A little bit in the first half against Virginia. I get it. I mean, they got to clean some things up, but. I just think that Tennessee's got better weapons right now. You got Ricky Pearsall. You've got a young five-star receiver in Eugene Wilson, the third Trey, they call him. I think he's going to be good. Nick Delatore called him the, uh, was it a knockoff Percy Harvin? Like he lives in the suburbs, <laughs> drives an SUV. I thought that was pretty funny, uh, but he's going to be a good one, but you know, not a whole lot of weapons and Tennessee though. They haven't been playing like it. They, Tennessee's got weapons. You know, Brew McCoy, Romel Keaton, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton hadn't done a thing yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he hadn't done a thing yet. And um, I, I, the coaches are still super high on him. So, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to be Tennessee um, on the road in the swamp, which is crazy to say. Um, I like Tennessee to cover the spread, but, you know, seven, eight points, 35, 27, 35, you know, 24, somewhere around there. Uh, but I think the first part of the game, the first quarter is going to be critical. Um, I think Tennessee's got to establish the run. And I think Tennessee's got to get after the passer and, and force Graham Mertz into making those poor decisions that he's done in the past. So 
A couple things for Tennessee, but I like Tennessee. I've liked them all offseason in this game. I'm not going to change my tune. It's going to be tough. The game's going to be wacky. It can come down to the end, and it's like a, a point or two game or whatever. Um, but, I, but I like the balls there. All right, before you go, Eric, can you tell my audience, where can they find all your work? Yeah, Tennessee fans or even Florida fans that kind of want a Tennessee preview to know about the Tennessee volunteers before the game. Locked on Vols uh, five days a week. Um, you know, Today on Thursday, we have a we have a preview show coming up. Tomorrow, I talk with my buddy Boogie Bentley, and then I give you my preview for, for Florida. So a whole lot of Florida coverage over VolQuest.com. You know, matchup piece, 10 things I think I think, game predictions, previews, like 17 different weekday podcasts. We got so much over at VolQuest.com <laughs> as well. And you can find all that and follow me on Twitter at underscore Kaner. All right, Chase. So there you got it. Eric, he likes them balls. That he just went up in your in your stock, yeah, didn't he? I like Eric. Man. He's <laughs> he's definitely growing on me and and he said just the right things, you know, to get me pumped up about this team. So no, hell of an interview for sure. Yeah. So we went to the other side. We got our buddy Matt Hayes. Hadn't seen him since uh, SEC Media Days. Yeah. Saturday down south, 1010XL. Great conversation. It's always fun catching up with Matt. Well, we're pleased to be joined by one of my favorites around the SEC, Matt Hayes, national columnist, Saturday Down South, Saturday Tradition, and, of course, a host down there at 1010XL, Jacksonville Radio. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Michael, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it obviously, I had to have you on because it's Florida-Tennessee week. This is such a big game for uh, SEC East and and. Let me ask you this first, because this is interesting. I just got off the line with someone else, and they said, this is, a, this is probably a top three rivalry in the SEC. And I said, well, for Tennessee fans, yes, but I don't think it is for Florida. What, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, th- I think Georgia's a bigger, obviously a bigger rival because they just haven't beat him as much lately. Yeah. Um, I think if Tennessee starts to win consistently in the rivalry, which they could do, uh, I think it becomes a bigger deal. I mean, if you had, if you had to – said one of the biggest rivalries in the SEC, I would probably say uh, Alabama-Auburn, of course, at the top, and then probably Florida-Georgia. And then, I mean, you, you could go anywhere at number three. You could easily put uh, Alabama-Tennessee or, Al- or Tennessee-Florida. or you could, There's a number of different ways you'd go. Auburn-Georgia, mm-hmm. as far as, like, historical impact uh, to the league. How big of a game is this for Billy Napier? Is it a must-win? Because I've been telling people – you know, I don't care what the score is. They're not going to fire him on Sunday or anything crazy like that. But I think, to me, it could be the beginning of the end because he's got to win some of these key games. And he didn't win a single one last year. And if he can't beat this Tennessee team at home, I don't know that he's going to get another one on the schedule. Well, it's funny you should say that, Mike. Number one, I think you're exactly right. Uh, number two, I've been saying all week on my show uh, and it's Saturday Down South that this is a big game for Billy because I truly believe he needs to give Gator Nation something to hang their hat on right now. He needs to give them something where they say, okay, now I see it. Now I understand what's going on. Now I understand what you're building. Now I understand what the future could look like. Uh, you know, if Tennessee goes in there and wins like 30-6 to six or something like that, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even if Tennessee goes in there and wins a close game, it's going to be a problem. Because, I mean, you know Florida fans. They're really no different than Tennessee fans. They want it now, you know. And, and I think that Florida also, you look at – that the blueprint that Josh Heifel has really set up. I mean, he went seven to six his first year, second they come out, and boom, away they go. Now, the difference in quarterback is gigantic, obviously, from Hennon Hooker to, to Graham Mertz. 
But still, I think Florida fans need to feel like, okay, I see it. And that's kind of the narrative I've been using all week, Mike, is, is I see it now. Okay, I can wait this year. I might even be able to wait next year if you can win like eight or nine games next year. But then it's really got to happen after that. Mm-hmm. Now, there is so much talk centered on Joe Milton and his inconsistent play heading into this game. But what are the odds that you give Graham Mertz kind of has a better game than Joe Milton, given that, uh, you know, the first game was obviously embarrassing, but not because of Mertz. I, I think he's been a solid addition so far for Florida. So, Mike, it's interesting with Graham Mertz is I, I don't know that he's the type of quarterback that fits what Billy Napier wants to do, but he's the guy they got now. Um, you know, they do a lot of stuff that's bunch sets, a lot of like phone booth stuff. A lot of what, what offensive coordinators talk about, defensive coordinators say the same thing. It's a lot of phone booth stuff. They don't stretch receivers to the numbers and, and stretch a defense out because you got to have a quarterback that can make that throw with velocity. A guy like Joe Milton, a guy like Hendon Hooker that can throw it out there. Because if it takes too long for that ball to get out there, then you've got an issue. You've got to pick six coming your way. Or the blocking will never set up. You know how it is. So, so I, I don't think they're doing exactly what he wants to do offensively. Um, and that's an issue. If you're asking me who is the better of the two, who do I think would play better, I would say odds are that Joe Milton plays better, only because he's in the system. He knows the system. He has a coach that has proven he can, that system can win and play well in big games. Um, I also think that Tennessee, Michael, was – I think they were very vanilla the first couple of games. I don't think they were showing anything. I think you're going to see a lot more from Tennessee this week. That doesn't mean that Florida wasn't vanilla last week against – I don't even know who they played. Who cares, right? Just a body, the body bag game they played. Maybe State, that's who it was. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean they weren't going to on that game, but I think you kind of saw where Florida was against Utah, and if that's what Florida is against Utah, if that's like, you know, what, what, what's going to make them go this year, I mean, if I'm the Tennessee defensive coordinator, I'm licking my chops. If I'm any player on the Tennessee defense, I'm licking my chops because there's, their off, offense is based, is based off misdirection. Not just mm-hmm. the run game, but the pass game as well. You see all these different formations and motions and play action, and and, and what, when you're trying to throw the ball, they simply just can't line up, have a receiver beat the corner and throw the ball to them because they can't do it. They're, they're not that talented enough to do that. So then you've got to use all this misdirection, and you've got to use you know where you're at the point where it's not just a simple offense. You're trying to confuse the defense instead of just going out there and saying you know what, we're better than you. We're better than you, and our guys are going to show we're better than you. Whereas I think Tennessee can do that. I think Tennessee can just line up and say, we can run the ball, we're going to run the ball right at you, and oh, by the way, we can throw the ball too. Yeah, I I think that was my next thing, Matt. I was going to get you know all this hype around Milton. I think it's Tennessee's rushing attack. If they don't lead this game in rushing, I don't think Tennessee's got a prayer in this game. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, there's no doubt. I, I mean, the Tennessee offense is the run game. It's so funny because you think of Josh Hype and all the quarterbacks and all they've done, and look at their run game. Look what they've done in two years under him. Then go back to UCF. Then go back to when he was at Missouri. Then go back to when they were, he was at Oklahoma. The run game is everything, the downhill run game. It's everything to that offense. It's everything the way he sets up that entire situation. So, yeah, if they can't run the ball, that's going to be a problem. Now, I will say this. I would expect – Florida to line up and get after it and, and try and overload the box and try and force Milton to win in man situations outside. 
because they want to stop the run. That's the key. Um, and then you get them in third and long situations where they can bring a little pressure. And then you see if Milton can be more of a, okay, I got to get out of the pocket and throw it accurately, which he really hasn't proven consistently. So that's the, that's the situation they want to be in. But to be in that situation, you've got to stop the run. And I don't know that they're that up strong, that strong up the middle at interior defensive tackle at middle linebacker at safety. I don't know that they're strong enough there yet. They've got a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys that I think in a year or two will be very good. Like I think defensively, they're going to be very good in a year. But again, you've got to start winning these games for Florida fans to believe and to say, okay, I can wait that year. I can wait a year and a half, two years. How big of an impact do you think Florida's new defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong, will have on this game? Uh, I think he's going to have that huge, a huge impact. I don't know that he will, Mike. I mean, I, I, they have to be in a situation where they stop the run. If they don't stop the run, I don't know how they stop that offense. Then you're looking at Tennessee scoring 30s, maybe even 40s. Um, and that's not just Florida. That's anyone that plays Tennessee. If you can't stop them running the ball, it's a long, long game. So I think they're going to, like I said earlier, they're going to load it up. And he's a guy that likes to bring pressure. He's a guy that likes to do exotic blitzes. So they're, my guess is they're throwing everything at him now. And, and I don't think they did that in the first two games, especially against Utah. I don't think they did that. I think that what they tried to do against Utah was basically play zone and force those guys to throw on them, and Utah couldn't. Um, and, I, and I think that helped them. I think you're going to see a lot more man stuff this week against Tennessee, a lot of more, okay, we're coming after you. Let's see you make a quick throw as opposed to we're going to play zone. Let's see you find the right throw. Now, I'm not putting out this interview till Thursday, Matt. Do, do you have a prediction for the game? Yeah, I, I think Florida's going to play really well, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. I think they'll play well enough to stay in the game in the fourth quarter, but I think Tennessee probably pulls away late, something like 30 to 26. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you one other thing, Matt, because uh, I've told you this before, and I swear it's true. Anytime you write something, i got to run to read it. You wrote about uh, Jalen Milrow and kind of his usage there. Right. Alabama. What Can you just kind of rehash that for the audience? Because that's, that's the biggest – coaching mishap i think in the sec so far this season well I, here's the thing too is I, i'm not exactly sure it's all on him because i think if you look at that alabama offense the offensive line mike has been average at best the last two years the last two years before, before this year they gave up 65 sacks despite having a magician back there a quarterback who who if you had someone who who wasn't as fleet of foot who could not move around the pocket how many sacks would they have given up they also gave up 165 tackles for losses, 167, I think, in the last two years. So we shouldn't have been surprised that what happened in that game is Texas got after Milrow, and they forced quicker decisions. He made a couple mistakes. Um, I'm not blaming this on him. You look at Alabama, what do they have at receiver? Do they have any of those guys they used to have in, in the 2020 season? They're not even close to that. Um, so I look at that. I look at the run game. They don't have a marquee running back either. So you can say a lot of things about Alabama. You can complain about, you know, what the offense looks like, but they don't have the guys they used to have. And you know what, too, Mike? They don't have the guys in defense they used to have either. I mean, has Dallas Turner really – has he improved since his freshman season? And, and you, look, you look on that defense and you start to say, all right, well, who scares you right now on that defense? And I'm not sure there's a guy that scares you on that defense right now, which is shocking compared to what it used to be at Alabama. Now, that being said, though, is Alabama still the team to beat in the West? Because perfect opportunity for LSU, A&M, maybe an Ole Miss, maybe even an Arkansas to jump up. But I don't have confidence in any, any team to grab that right now. 
No, I don't either. And, and I also am not going to be a guy that says Alabama's dumb because I, I don't think they are, but I think they've got issues. I think they have issues unlike anything they've ever had since Nick has been there since the second season, the first season, clearly. They were not that good of a team. <laughs> but I think since, since 2008, they haven't had anything close to these issues that they're having right now. So um, I'm not writing them off. If you had to ask me who would be the favorite right now, I would probably say LSU. Um, but I'm like you. I'm, I'm intrigued by Ole Miss because I think they're a little bit better defensively and they can run the ball, man. That's another thing. You know, we talk about Josh Hype on Tennessee, how the run is everything. And again, the same thing with Lane Kiffin. You think of Lane Kiffin and you think of quarterback and pass game, man, they run the ball and they run it well. So when you have somebody that can do that, that can dictate tempo in a game and that can play relatively pretty good on defense, which I think they're there right now. I think they're, you know, if you're going to give me like a, a scale of one to 10, I'd probably put about a six and a half on defense, maybe trending towards seven. Mm-hmm. If you get there, I think you can you can win some big games in the league. They could have won the Alabama game last year, so I wouldn't rule them out. I wouldn't rule Arkansas out, just like you. Um, I think it's going to be a wide open race in the West. Hell, I wouldn't rule Texas A&M out either. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Jimbo Fisher is their head coach, but uh, that's right, all. So. <laughs> Well, Matt, I appreciate you so much. Before you go, can you tell my audience uh, where can they find all your work? Well, it's any of the Saturday the Saturday football sites. It's Saturdays out down south, uh, Saturday tradition, Saturday out west, and Saturday road. And I just wrote a column uh, yesterday on Saturday road about Mac Brown in North Carolina. How um, North Carolina should just you know what play Trez Walker, the guy that the NCAA is forcing to sit out. Just play him, and what the hell is the NCAA going to do? What are they going to do if you play him? <laughs> I mean, at this point, what, what are they going to do? Yeah. Because, I mean, when you think about it, a decade ago, North Carolina had the academic scandal where they had bogus classes that more than 3,100 student-athletes were funneled to, right? And at the end of the day, seven, eight years later, the NCAA said, well, we didn't see academic fraud, which is, <laughs> I mean, so the NCAA is not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to kneecap a blue blood. In North Carolina, if you're talking about properties you know you know the 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 television property the idea of north carolina you're not gonna you are not gonna kneecap someone like that so i I would just play him and what are they gonna do tell you you have to vacate games and this is what i wrote if you're north carolina what do you say okay great i don't care we're not vacating games how about that (laughs) and then you you just move forward because i mean it's so honestly at some point mike we're gonna get to the point where the football schools will move away i truly believe this is what's going i know we're way off course here man but I truly believe at some point the football schools will move away and all the other sports will go back to the conferences they used to be in. And it'll just be like football. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start to – because you can't have this – this travel is ridiculous, especially when you start talking about you're going to have to pay the players. That's going to have to happen. So are you going to pay the players and play and pay for this crazy travel? So something has to give there. It's one or the other, and you're not getting out of paying the players. You're not making close to – Five billion annually when you're talking about all the conference um, television rights put together and the playoff added the new playoff on there, the new contract in 2026. You're not making close to five billion annually and saying, yeah, we're just going to give the players a scholarship and a little 5,500 a semester stipend. No right. chance in hell that happens. And, you know, Matt, I think the fans would be on board with, with all the, those moves happening and no one's going to shed a tear for the NCAA. Yeah, I agree with that. Ooh, boy, Matt always brings the heat, doesn't he? I love it, man. You know, I was, I was telling you uh, off air, man, I think that 
I wanted to find out more about the Florida-Tennessee matchup, but then he started getting in that Alabama and the NCAA, man. I'd like to have a couple cold beers with him (laughs) and let him him know exactly what we think. So uh, this was awesome. Awesome interviews. uh, Pumped up. Man, he got me excited about, you know. I think – but this is what they do, Mike. It's almost like – Nick Saban coming out here telling me how great USF is. You know, it's like, wait, does he really mean that? Or is he just trying to get us to, to hurt a little more when they beat us? So I, I don't, a fantastic interview for sure. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, buddy. You got anything before we hop off the line? No, uh, don't forget tomorrow live. We're going to be here at six doing the picks and you'll officially hear what the lock of the week will be. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you've got the power. You've got the lock power. I feel it now. I feel it. I got, yeah, I do. I, 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 I just wish it was like another power, like, you know, <laughs> More useful I could power. run faster or I could lose weight quicker or something like that. But no, it's a, I can lose money better than anybody in the country. <laughs> yeah. So again, tune in six o'clock Eastern five central live. And if you can't make the live, it'll still hit your feed as normal, but uh, we love hanging out. People interact with us all throughout the show. So Tune in if you can, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 Central. Make our picks for all the SEC games. If we haven't said this in a while, Shane. Give us a five-star written review on Apple or uh, Spotify, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel. That thing's blowing up, yeah. and we have, we would appreciate each and every one of you to head on over to give us a review and subscribe on YouTube. And tonight I'm thinking about putting a pretty crazy bet on that tennessee florida game mike so be sure to tune in six and we'll we'll roll that one out as well all right buddy well i appreciate you for hanging out and i appreciate all the cousins out there we'll see you on the next one all right see you guys go balls hey buddy This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.